it's not about I have faith or I don't have faith. It's what do I have faith in? Like yeah. I have faith in Jesus or I have faith in something else. Mm. Yeah. The choice isn't really faith or no faith. Uh, we could have faith in our personal comfort. We could have faith in prosperity. Yep. We could have faith in the goodness of humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the person who says like, I'm skeptical of everything and I believe nothing yeah. and I trust mm. no one. They have faith in their own autonomy yeah. to maintain that, right? Oh, that's interesting. So like we have to have, we all have faith in something, right? Yes. Welcome to the Really Real Podcast, a show where the writers definitely don't forget to write enough intros for the season, resulting in a last-minute rush request for help from their extremely talented and busy podcast voice guy. Mm-hmm. This one's gonna cost you. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Welcome back to the season finale of the Really Real Podcast. I really want the, like, Brie weekend catch-up air horn noises there. You know, the season there finale. Finale, finale, finale. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, most shows hype up season finales. Yes. So I feel like we need a little bit of hype going hype. on, even though I don't know that our season finales necessarily <laughs> live up we're, to, we're like, the cliffhanger kind of We're filming this in front of a live, thing. very quiet audience. Though, <laughs> oh, yeah, so yeah. It's nice. It's in cool any that we case, did that. it is our season finale, our final episode of Spring yes. 2021 of the Really Real Podcast, a show where three friends sit down for a drink and some refreshingly honest conversation about real life. Here's what we've got on tap today on the show. First up is, is it just me from Isaac? He's talking about, is it just me or do you kind of want to stay checked out Mm -hmm. right now with everything that's going on in the world? Mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil the segment before we get to it, Yeah, but no. Okay, yeah, sweet. (laughs) It's not just me. Don't think it's just you. Okay, good. (laughs) Our second segment quote of the week from Kara. Kara is reading a book from John Acuff. He just released a new book and in it, he talks about soundtracks that run through our brains. And Kara's going to be introducing ourselves to the idea of running our brains on a different soundtrack Mm. than maybe the one that is the default for Mm. a lot of us. Then we have panel of experts. We're going to be enjoying a segment called Favorite Thing Face-Off, which is a segment where two guests debate each other about who has the better favorite things. Oh, goodness. And then last but not least is our word of the week, which is faith. Faith is, I think, actually one of the central words Mm. of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be talking about on the show today. So here's my starter question for each of you. And I want you to just kind of impulsively answer this question. The first thing that kind of comes to mind when you think of the word faith, how does that word make you feel? (laughs) Specifically emotionally. Okay. So not necessarily, oh, here's my like intellectual response to here's what the word faith means. Yeah. Just when you hear the word faith, what does it make you feel? I think probably for me, it's like a sense of resolve. Just it's like that's good. It's something to rest in. And I think that my answer to that question has changed over time, but I think it's an exhale. It's resolve. Mm, Okay. Wow, that's really good. Yeah. I don't know how to answer the question. (laughs) Did he steal your answer? Or does your original answer feel inadequate? No, no, no. I just my (laughs) My mission is achieved. (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel like my brain just went blank when you asked like what you feel because I've been preparing intellectually for this. And all of a sudden you're like, What do you feel about faith? I feel a little bit torn. Or a little bit, uh, what's the word? Tension? Yeah, there's some tension. Your hands were doing tension. My hands were literally doing tension. (laughs) Stretchy exercise, resistance bands. Yes, Yes. I feel some tension because I think that it is misused a lot. The Mm. way that people talk about faith and the way that people throw around like, you need to have faith. That leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But on the other side of it, I see and feel what you're talking about, Isaac. That resting and Uh that peace. Mm -hmm. So there's some 
tension. I think the thing that I feel is primarily because I have a hard time doing what you were just describing, which is to focus on the feeling mm. instead of the intellectual component of dissecting mm. the meaning of faith. And therefore, what I feel is confused. My <laughs> offer to trade with you, Anson, still stands. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a nugget of the intellectual. I'll give you as much emotion right. as you want. Well, yeah, that, I think that's why I feel confused is because yeah. as I start to think about what does faith mean, this feels like a word that is so ubiquitous in Christianity and yet it feels kind of hard to pin down mm. like yeah. it, it, it is kind of hard to define and so there's some confusion there of like well this is a component of faith but so is this and those things seem like they're opposites and so right. how does that work it lends to a little bit of confusion that's part of what we're going to talk about today is not only our intellectual approach to this word and what we think about it but yeah. also how it makes mm -hmm. us feel and we'll get into that a little bit more later in the show first of all what's everybody drinking today okay I told you about this tea last week, so I'm actually drinking it this week. It's called Sing. It came from a record promoter, which is hilarious. It's a specialty blend for singers, which I'm not, but we're talking, so using vocal Close enough. Yeah. Yes. Packed with herbs offering anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, tonifying, and restorative effects for vocal health. Wow. Tonifying. Uh, tonifying. <laughs> I incredible. I didn't know you could tone your vocal cords. Not um, with tea, anyway. It's got, I know. It's got peppermint, marshmallow root, licorice root, plantain, stone root, wild cherry bark, hyssop sage and calendula <laughs> and are you sure that's not like a witch's no brew? it kind of yeah, sounds this, this like is, it doesn't it sounds yeah. like a potion it really sounds does. like you're gonna turn into a cat or <laughs> this something. could be a game where like okay. make me tell you which one of those doesn't actually exist and I, would, I would lose every time yep that's what i'm drinking it's actually pretty good it makes yeah, me like feel good because bring me the hyssop and, and wormwood it, it, it came, i'm looking at it kara brought it. it's like a little manila envelope yeah that's what <laughs> it came not, in yeah. in the loose sleeve tea packet but it's, it's awesome good. it's very good yeah and it, it makes me Feel. Tonifying your vocal cords? I maybe. I'm always like coughing when I'm doing a podcast, and okay. so it, I'm I mean, we can't yet. definitively say that it's not yeah. tonifying your vocal cords. Exactly. So. That's where the so hustle in that is. product is. You can't disprove it. Yeah, that's right. So sticking with tea, Brie ordered, and I, I think that I have the correct brand pulled up here. I googled cinnamon hot tea, red hot, and this is, <laughs> the packaging looks similar to this. It's HT Hot Cinnamon Sunset. Whoa. This is a decaf cinnamon tea it's harney and sons uh heart yes i know this That's tea so you know it well um <laughs> i tried this stuff for the first time last night and i immediately made another cup after i drank it uh, it tastes so good it's and very it's, bougie tea it's decaf it's too so like i don't have to worry about drinking like 10 cups of it at night it's yeah awesome. did you say red hots as part of that it tastes like red hots yeah okay yeah. kind of does that's yeah. what i yeah i love those so this i would probably has, like that a lot this tea has like a cult following really on the internet really it's okay like a big deal. Yeah. You see it everywhere. It gives me that bite, a little <laughs> kick in the mouth, but it's hot yeah. tea. Plus, Isaac loves Colts. So, yeah, okay, that's, there yeah, you it's go. <laughs> the overlap. It's a perfect like circle, the Venn diagram. T cult. Yeah, like that's, we're there. We've arrived. Nice. My full character arc uh, <laughs> on the season finale. That's right. <laughs> it's all coming together. Uh, speaking of it all coming together, hibiscus LaCroix is the thing that I've been drinking lately. Ooh. And so I've hinted at episodes in the past that my character arc is almost complete with yeah. LaCroix. Yeah. I've gone from the LaCroix hating dude yeah. on the podcast.
podcast yeah. to embracing yeah. it and drinking it on a regular basis. Nice. And so I'm just going to go ahead and close that loop and say that I'm there. I love it. Wow. Uh, I deal. drink it all the time now. Welcome to the club. And I'm not really drinking soda <laughs> anymore. Uh, oh, wow. I will yes. say like hibiscus as a flavor was definitely one of the flavors that got me there. Yeah. I haven't had it's, that it's, one it's yet. Really? It's yeah. one of the better ones. It's really good. Wait, wait, wait. Is it the pink can? It's like a dark pinkish kind of magenta-ish yes. one mm-hmm. yes, that has a I flower like, on it. Yep. I like that one too. I don't know if it's supposed to taste like a flower. Yeah, or, I don't no, know what hibiscus good. is. Yeah. That may be part of why I like it though, is that yeah. it's not necessarily trying to imitate like an actual fruit. It's a little ambiguous. Yeah. Like, so it's just kind of this like sweet, flowery, yeah. sweet thing yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. It's not like, oh, this is trying to be yeah. lime and it vaguely tastes like that. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it can taste kind of vague because it is kind of vague. Yeah. So it maybe is. that yeah. works. That's so So I'm pretty on board with actually most of the LaCroix flavors I've tried though. Wow. There are a few where I'm like, nope, hate that. Like the Remember? pastique watermelon one it's is awful. the worst thing not I've good. ever drank. The lemon one is it's, bad. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, the lemon one is not great either. Yeah. Coconut um, has to be ice cold to enjoy. I, I still want to try that one because I've heard people either yeah. love that one or think it tastes like sunscreen. It has to be oh. near the point of freezing to be good. <laughs> I do like, that would be one thing I would suggest is if you're trying to get on board, I actually put them in the freezer a lot yeah, for about smart. like 15 minutes before I drink them. 33 like them. degrees Fahrenheit. Ice cold. It's going <laughs> to be are better. So, but if you need a starter one, hibiscus is maybe a, a good one to start with. Or so. lemoncello. That's yeah, true. Both yep, good. I'm pretty in on that one too. Let's talk about what's on repeat this week. On repeat for me is Destiny by Ty Brazel. I love this song. This one's a little bit of a different pick for me, but it's very chill. It's very yeah. low key, but it's also very positive. It just makes me yeah. feel good when yeah. I listen to it. I got to say, I was a little bit surprised Were when you? I saw this okay. pop up on your list. So. I was kind of too, actually. It's a little bit of a genre buster for you. It is a genre yeah. buster for me, but I really like it. Maybe it's because this whole idea of destiny. My husband just graduated, went back to finish his degree and graduated from college. So we're doing a lot of talking about what's the next big thing. What yeah. is my destiny and what does God want with my life? And mm. those questions never feel chill to me. They always feel super high pressure and overwhelming. Yeah. And this song, it busts that apart. He talks about can't none stop me from getting my destiny. I think he's just talking about being resilient. But in my Mm -hmm. mind, what I hear is like, take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. chill out. God's going to get you where you need to go. He's going to get you to your destiny. Mm -hmm. And this like soft piano in the background Mm -hmm. and just kind of a chill beat, but confident at the same time. I'm like all about it. It's very refreshing. My own repeat this week is thankful by verses. Versus actually sent us this Australian oh, yeah. like greatest hits care package to the station. I saw that. They had Vegemite in there. Oh, <laughs> like my gosh. 10 minutes before we got on the pod, I just did a little finger swipe of the Vegemite. It's gross and no one should eat it ever. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I'm not going to let that knock my okay, face. So we can confirm that it wasn't like a payola situation that no. got you yeah. to choose this. No, 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 no. Like, <laughs> they it was gross. Some stuff. I think that they might gross. have tried to poison me. <laughs> yeah. If Vegemite tastes like that with everyone. I don't can know how just, people I'm it. actually surprised by this pick too. You guys yeah. are surprising me yeah. this week. So I like this because it's what I would call a new, like in you praise and worship song. Uh-huh. Like I'm starting this thing as part of my wake up routine. I immediately just start putting music on to kind of mm. give me like a little theme song for the day. Mm-hmm. That's good. And this has been kind of one of the songs that I like start my day with yeah. because mm. it's hard to be in a funk. Yeah. If the first thing you hear is something like this. Yeah. This is just one of those songs, man. That's just great. It's emphasis on thankfulness, which I'm 
trying to be very big on. And the chorus is literally, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. Yes, I am. You've been so good. I'll say it again. It is really just driving the point home of gratitude and be thankful yeah. for what you have in your life. I think it's so one good. of those songs where like if you're in the wrong mood, if you're in yeah. a like yeah. cynical yeah. place or something like that, you could hear it and go like, would you shut up? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, like this, could hit you this is not. Yeah, right. but I think sometimes like we really need those songs. Yeah, and sometimes we need those songs to help lead us to a place we're having a hard time getting to. Yeah, there are times in our lives where we yeah. need that type of positivity because mm-hmm. it draws us towards it. That's so, really good. My on repeat this week is the new one from Coldplay. It's Higher Power. But you've got a higher power. Yes, we are playing a Coldplay song on Real FM. It's so good. They are still around. Yes. They still exist. (laughs) I don't know how old they are by now. I don't know. Yeah. I watched a music video the other day. They don't look that old, but I don't know. They do a good job in music videos (laughs) with these like legacy artists of making them still look young and spry. Soft focus on the lens. Right. Exactly. No, but I actually really like this song. I was definitely a Coldplay stand back in the day in the like 2000s before Stan was a word. That anyone would actually know to say, right? Awesome. Um, you know, everyone loved Coldplay oh, yeah. in the yeah. like, mid 2000s. I think this is actually a really good song. It's um, one of those like summer night jams, yeah. yes. you know, sure. just like feeling good. Ultimately, that's what I think the song is basically about. Mm-hmm. Got me singing every second, dancing every hour. You've got a higher power. You're really someone I want to know. I like being with you. Yeah. It's basically yeah. the message of this song. I resonate with that feeling. Like yeah. There are people where I'm like, man, I really like being with you. Yeah. You know, cool. and this is just one of those feel good songs that kind of reinforces that feeling. Yeah. Similar to Isaac, like sometimes you need a song that just reinforces those positive feelings. Yeah. Those you positive do. vibes, for sure. And this is one of those songs that definitely brings that feeling, both musically and lyrically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it just me, or it's probably just a case of the Mondays? Am I right? Now it is time for Is It Just Me, where we remind each other, hopefully, that no, you're not a total weirdo alien for that one thing in your life. Mine this week is just a question to sort of get this discussion started. Are you guys like just mentally at a cabin in like a beach house in Cabo San Lucas, just not <laughs> looking at the news? Like mentally, yes. I am I'm in my like Tommy Bahama shirt with like a burger <laughs> and I'm just trying to not address the world around me right now. And you can probably go back to different episodes like over the last year and listen to the difference between very plugged in and very much like Twitter focused Isaac. Mm. And then now there's probably a different, maybe a little bit relaxed. And <laughs> but like I'm balancing this tension of, I feel great not knowing what's going on in the world. Mm. Every now and then there will be this pang of guilt of like, I don't know what's going on in the world. Mm. Yeah. But the thing is, is I don't want to leave my cabin right now. I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel pretty good and healthy right now. And yeah. I don't know that I need to know everything going on. It's attention. Yeah, it yeah. is attention. It's one, you know, obviously we've discussed on the show before yeah. this idea that probably yeah. we can veer too far in one direction or the other. Mm. But I do think while that is probably true, that we could veer in one direction or the other too much. One thing I think I'm learning is that that doesn't necessarily mean when I'm finding tension between two extremes, mm-hmm. my position always needs to be static. Yeah. That I always mm. need to be in the same place, right? Mm. Like when it comes to this issue, for example, I think I could create this like ideal state in my yeah. head. I'm supposed to find this like perfect middle ground yeah. between being aware of what's going on, mm-hmm. but not being obsessed with it. Mm. And how can I find that perfect place, right? Yeah. But I think what I'm learning is that that perfect place doesn't exist in the same place at all times. Yeah. There are times 
times in our lives where we need to be more in one direction or the other. And that natural like flow back and forth is okay. Mm -hmm. That there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like there are periods of my life where I go, maybe I need to be a little more plugged in. I need to be a little more engaged and active in what's going on in the world at this time. Mm -hmm. And then there are times when you get tired and you're struggling and you need to take a breath and you need to recover a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, there are other things that we do in our lives very much like this. I just finished up going to like a nine week Bible study. And then now we're taking a break for a few weeks and I'll do another study maybe this fall or my exercise routine. I do a big training program for a big race. And then Mm -hmm. you take a break for a couple of weeks and let your body recover. And then you kind of get back into, you know, like that's so good. Kind of ebb and flow is part of life, I think. And, and maybe I get a little too guilty over like, Oh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not always hardcore into this thing all the time. Like taking a breather is, is a really important part of that rhythm. I think resting and recovery is kind of a big deal for that. I was talking about this psychiatrist at John Hopkins talking about how she has patients developing symptoms of exhaustion Mm. rather than just like fatigue, but like proper exhaustion where like mental fog, you're Mm. forgetting things, you're like leaving your keys in the fridge and stuff. She's seeing that more and more. And she's saying that like, the last year has done that in some capacity to everybody, yep. just of various degrees. So depending on like how plugged in you were and are to it, you're going to face that more and more. And yes. I think like I've just seen too much of it in my own life that I'm like, okay, I got to hit the brakes hard because like this is to a point where I know what tired feels like and I'm exhausted. I think that's super wise. I, I love the way you put that, Anson, that there isn't just this static right place to be all the time. It ebbs and flows and that's mm-hmm. normal. That's healthy. You're the only one, Isaac, that knows where you need to be at any mm-hmm. given point. Like, yeah. You know Okay, mentally right now, I need to be listening to this song about thankfulness. Yeah, I need right, to not be right. watching the news because yeah. I know where I could go. I don't need to do that right now. I need to yeah. take a step back. I need to rest. And I think that's wisdom that you learn to know yourself better and learn that instead of like, no, I must always stay at this level of engagement oh, at yeah. all times. Yeah, yeah, my body has a way of saying no. I know. <laughs> and then like when I ignore that, it's like, no. <laughs> so right. So I'm you're learning to listen. Listening to that second louder no right now. Smart. Here's a question for you. Do you think that you're response to the news or it's like kind of healthiness for you to engage with it varies depending on where you're getting that news from, what the actual Mm. source is. There are a number of ways that you can remain informed about what's going on in the world, like Twitter or visiting a news website or watching the local news or following whatever your Facebook friends are posting about. Like Mm -hmm. we have a lot of different options Mm -hmm. for keeping up with what's happening in the world. Do certain channels or methods affect you in ways that you think are more or less healthy than others. Oh yeah. Like when I try to figure out what's going on, I read the AP because that's what all my Mm -hmm. journalist friends tell me to read. When I just want to look at news, they say like AP does like the most thorough vetting process. If I look at Twitter, it's just a highlight reel of bad things going on. And I just doom spiral from that (laughs) point. So I do Twitter for work and I go on and post for our like station accounts. And then I haven't checked my personal Twitter in a while. Mm -hmm. And I feel better for that. My thing is like, if I see a news story that I feel compelled by, I try to click through and figure out how I can spread the awareness or like donate to something. But Twitter is more just like, here's a bad thing happening. And then like Mm -hmm. under that, it's people saying like, well, maybe that bad thing should have happened. (laughs) Right. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I, at least for me, the social media yeah. sites are the biggest offenders yeah. on all of that as far as like spiraling me. Yeah. Uh, because then I see all of the fighting and all of the conflict and all of that. Yeah, it's just yeah. not so good. I try once a day to check in on like the most kind of neutral news source that I can yeah. find, something like the Associated Press or something like that. Glance at the headlines, maybe yeah. click on one or two things if I find them a little more interesting. Yeah. And then I usually try to like visit CNN.com and FoxNews.com like once a day to try to be like, yeah. what are these people talking about? Mm. And what are these people talking about? Because yeah. spoiler alert, it's never the same. Uh, <laughs> Different planets. So I, so I kind of yeah. be like, all right, what is each side or each orbit thinking about? Yeah. Okay, got it. Now I know. <laughs> like, yeah. now I know. And then I kind of move on. But I don't necessarily engage, like I'm not going to scroll to the comments. I'm not going to look at the Twitter reactions yeah. or yeah, the Facebook yeah. posts. The last thing that I thoroughly kept up with in terms of like social media news was the Suez Canal boat. Like that's, that's nice. where I was. Because that I was, was kind of fun. I was involved <laughs> there. And then I, when it got unstuck, fun. I was like, the internet's going to go back to the bad <laughs> yeah, place now. It's it's fun's We're over. Done. Yeah. Words are in my not so humble opinion. Our most inexhaustible source of magic. The quote of the week. Now it is time for quote of the week, where we serve up a nugget of wisdom to snack on and maybe a few French fries too, preferably waffle fries yes. from Chick-fil-A. Yes. So my quote today is from John Acuff from his new book, Soundtracks. I really love John Acuff, P.S. I just love the way that he writes. It's so... It's brilliant, but straightforward. Mm. And every time I read it, I'm like, well, duh. Why didn't I think of (laughs) that? And he's funny, so it's very disarming. Mm. Anyway, all of that aside, in his new book, Soundtracks, he basically talks about the power of our thoughts. We like to think that our thoughts just kind of happen. We can't help it, right? They're just, our Mm. thoughts are what they are. And what's the big deal? They're just thoughts. Mm. But he says, here's the quote for the week, neuroplasticity, which is the power to physically change our brains, By changing our thoughts means that the solution to overthinking, which is kind of what the book is all about, isn't to stop thinking. Mm. Why would we ever get rid of such a powerful, efficient tool? Wouldn't it make more sense to just run our brains with different soundtracks instead of the broken ones? A plane can drop a bomb or deliver food. A syringe can deliver poison or medicine. The same is true of our thoughts. Mm. So it's this whole idea that our thoughts create our actions. If we have broken soundtracks, which is what he calls our thoughts running in the background all the time, we're going to stay stuck based on what these broken soundtracks are telling us that we believe we're not going to pursue that challenge or that thing. Or there's so many ways this affects us and we have no idea because it's just become an automatic background soundtrack. Yeah. We don't even know, but he's saying, okay, what if we stop and pay attention to that? Ask ourselves some questions about like, what is that thing actually saying to you? And like ask three questions of it. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Mm. And then is that a soundtrack you really want playing in your life all the time? Maybe you could replace it with something else. It's taking control of your thoughts, which I think is a very empowering thing to realize you can do. I know. Naming your thoughts and naming your emotions. It is kind of. That's not something that's like communicated well, I think, to people. Like you Mm. can change what you're thinking. You can name the emotion that you're feeling and you can say like, let's walk this back and think why I'm in this space right now. Right. And there's something that's nice sort of knowing that your brain isn't just something that's happening to you. You're in control. (laughs) 
that's, that's a very refreshing thing. And I think I'm kind of arriving there with what I just talked about with like, yeah. <laughs> realizing, hey, we're, we're overheating here. Let's let's, mm. let's walk back it back. It up. I, I love that. That's so good. I love this idea that we can physically change our brains. This neuroplasticity yeah. is something people have been talking about a lot the past few years. Literally just changing your thoughts can change your brain. It reminds me of what Paul talks about in Romans 12 to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's literally like what God created our brains to do Mm -hmm. when we choose, okay, this thought is not helpful. It's not true. How can I turn it into something that would be helpful, that would propel me forward? That's just something I've been chewing on for a few days, like trying to become more aware when I react to something like, okay, what's the broken soundtrack that's Mm -hmm. playing in the background that's causing me to react this way? Yeah. And I totally agree with Isaac. Like it kind of sounds like what you were just talking about, both with this song that you mentioned for your on repeat. And then also with the challenge you were just describing of being obsessed with the news and, Mm -hmm. and what that was doing to you mentally it kind of sounds like you've done some of this work of like, I recognize that there are certain things in my life that are contributing. They're feeding into my thoughts. And then my thoughts are going to a place where I don't want to be. And so you kind of then like work back out from there. Like, okay, I need to change my thought patterns. I need Mm -hmm. to change the way that my brain is operating currently. And part of that, part of that solution probably looks like, what am I putting into it? Like, what am I feeding myself? Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to make some really conscientious changes choices about this is something that's feeding my brain in a way that's that's creating a thought pattern or a soundtrack that is unhealthy yeah and so i'm going to remove some of those things and replace them change the recipe change like the mix up a little bit yeah to try to help me create a soundtrack that is going to be more healthy for me moving forward Yeah. yeah panel of experts at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought all right and now it is time for our final panel of experts they said we could be anything so we became experts on everything today on the show we're going to try out a segment called favorite thing face off mm. favorite thing face off <laughs> is the show where two guests debate each other about who has the better favorite things <laughs> okay. are you ready for this uh, yes all right today Let's on go. the show we have isaac yes Actually, no, uh, the part of Isaac is going to be played by Kara. No. Today. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. And we also have Kara. <laughs> Kara, thank you for joining the show. You're so welcome. <laughs> Isaac, happy to have you on. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Let's jump right into it. Oh, my god. It's time for favorite thing face off number one. Kara, one of your favorite things is baking the perfect cookie. Yes. Isaac, meanwhile, prefers skateboarding. So, Kara, let's start with you. Why is baking the perfect cookie a way more fulfilling activity than a skate session? Well, baking a perfect cookie. I can't can't sustain it. It's okay. Well, baking the perfect cookie involves this wonderful methodical process of measuring out the ingredients and maybe reading a wonderful, beautiful essay about why the author chose to use this cornmeal because she grew up on a farm in Iowa. They have this corn that they grow and by the time I'm done it's been six hours and I've read nine books and I've made my batch of cookies and it's wonderful. I see. Okay, and uh, Isaac, why is spending your time skateboarding the way to go? I mean, it's great exercise. It's super fun and 
all of the tricks have super cool names like half pipe. I mean, what's <laughs> like, come on. What? There's not, you don't have that in cookie baking. You're not doing any tricks. Half pipe is it? Yes. That's yeah. <laughs> Specifically. What about skateboarding? Is it that you go? Yeah, no. Cookie baking is way superior. First of all, skateboarding doesn't involve an oven at all. At oh. least that I know of. Does it? No. Okay. No. Skateboarding doesn't involve an oven. Um, I can bake cookies in whatever clothing I want. I don't have to have protective gear on like mm. knee pads or elbow elbow pads right. or head pads or ear pads, whatever kind of pads you need. It's just a wonderful process. And skateboarding just seems kind of gross to me. <laughs> All right, let's go to favorite thing. Number two, one of Isaac's favorite ways to spend his time is playing a game called Apex Legends. It's a free to play hero shooter video game where legendary competitors battle for glory by basically repeatedly killing each other. Uh, Kara, on the other hand, says her time is much better spent watching BBC period dramas, like, for example, called the midwife about a group of nurse midwives working in London in the 1950s. So uh, Isaac, let's start with you. What is it about spending hour after hour <laughs> repeatedly shooting opponents in the face that it really appeals to you? Well, I mean, I think as we established earlier, the world is crazy and mm. we need a place to safely work out some of my, that aggression. Am ah, I right? Yeah. Like we need to be able to work this out. Plus, I think it's a good way to spend time with my bros and you know, <laughs> hang out and mm -hmm. just get away from all of this crazy new stuff. Shooting imaginary people seems like a good way to do that. And are you at all concerned about like the potential mental health effects and ramifications that spending hours upon hours of violently attacking each other could have on you? I understand the concern of that, but I think that I have uh, done it enough that I'm able to kind of separate myself from that. And so in the end, it turns out to be a good outlet for me and it helps rather than hinders, helps me not be actively hateful towards people in my real life. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And Karen, I imagine you, on the other hand, would argue that watching a show like Call the Midwife is a much more educational, perhaps a more refined way to spend one's time. Well, yeah, Call of the Midwife is this beautiful depiction of the 50s where birth is a wonderful process <laughs> where these midwives are called, hence the name, when a baby is being born. And look, I don't know much about Apex Legends, but I'm confident that if you play Apex Legends for hours on end, you're still not going to know how to deliver a baby. <laughs> And now I have a pretty good idea, at least in the 1950s way, how to deliver a baby. And what is it about the act of childbirth that just really inspires and speaks to you? <laughs> the beauty of childbirth. There's, there's tears. It's, it's, just, it's just a beautiful... You know, I bring my cookies over. <laughs> me and the girls, we... the. <laughs> This is amazing. There's just so much of life in, in one moment. <laughs> I'm going to stop you there. That's really good. So Thank you for inspiring yeah. us like that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Isaac, for you, what is the emotional response that like when you get the perfect headshot and you see that head explode, what is it emotionally that that does for you? How does that build you up? Well... <laughs> It's like there's a tiny explosion of confidence inside me. <laughs> like, I can do this. I can deal with the world and all of the monsters out there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to that tiny explosion of confidence. <laughs> yes. I like that. That's a really good way of putting that. All right. Finally, favorite thing face off number three. Kara says that one of her favorite ways to manage interpersonal relationships is by constantly pretending that everything is fine and that she's never upset about anything, even when she is. Isaac, meanwhile, says that a far superior approach is to passive aggressively 
shrug off conflict with the strategic use of cynical, sarcastic humor. So, Kara, can you explain for us why your strict policy of avoiding conflict and apologizing for things that aren't even your fault is the best way to handle disagreement? I've found that making everything my fault <laughs> has served me so well. And <laughs> it's, it's just a wonderful place to arrive at because I love the people in my life and I think that apologizing to them is the best way to go about maintaining that relationship. <laughs> it's just a nice thing to do. Okay, very good. And uh, Isaac, you say, on the other hand, that witty but sardonic jabs interjected at just the right moment allows you to make your feelings known to people while also feigning a certain amount of emotional distance from the conflict. Is that right? Yeah. So I say you get the best of both worlds, right? You get to jab at them a little bit, mm -hmm. but also just kind of pretend that eh, I'm just, I was just kidding. Right. So you kind of get to do both things. Isaac, I'm sorry if I've ever had to make you do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not talking about me right now. <laughs> no, no, Kara. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's amazing. All right. Well, thank you both for being a part of Favorite Things Face Off today. I really appreciate your contributions. And we'll see you next time on Favorite Things Face Off. Without much further ado, I give you the word of the week. Now it is time for our discussion on our word of the week, which this week is faith. Word of the week is like a perspective potluck, but with words and ideas instead of potato salad. Ooh. I only like my potato salad. Oh. Ah. So when I worked at the cafe, I would make the potato salad. <gasps> Unlike the days and the shifts that I made it, I would eat it, but I don't eat anyone else's potato salad. Really? So Strong what makes feelings. the perfect potato salad? We added cranberries to ours, actually. Oh. Like a little bit of like cranberry and pecan and stuff in Funky. there. Like what? some, yeah, it was, it was good. Was it more of like a mayonnaise based one than a mustard based one or kind of? It was mayonnaise. Yeah. But so we had a little bit of like tanginess to it. It was good. That's where a lot of the fighting words come into yeah. yes. like the yellow potato salad or the white. <laughs> potato salad. It was a little bit more tangy, not sweet. I love potato salad. What it needs is bacon. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. that would be good. Lots of bacon bits okay. for potato salad. Nice. That's my tip. <laughs> All right, let's move on from potato salad to faith. <laughs> and there's probably some sort of metaphor there, I'm sure there is. Um, that we could come up with, but I'm not we'll exactly sure what it is. Maybe the, we'll figure it out. Yeah. The <laughs> thickness of your faith. <laughs> <laughs> the tanginess of, but, you the tanginess of suffering. Like Does in. your faith have the bacon bits necessary? <laughs> there yeah, it is. We're there. Uh, <laughs> smooth transition to the word faith. Super smooth. I'm really interested in talking about this word because we've gone back and forth between words that are like very central words to Christianity and Ooh. faith might be about as central to Christianity as it gets as far yeah. as a, a word that you could pick goes unless we literally picked Jesus or yeah. something. Yeah. We've also done words like stuck or things that kind of get outside of yeah. that norm a little bit. And I'm particularly interested in the word faith because it's so central. Yeah, as I I dove into this and I'm interested to hear whether you, this was your guys' experience as well. In prepping for this conversation, I quickly went from, okay, faith feels kind of like a basic building block kind of word mm -hmm. that you kind of ought to get a handle on pretty quickly because it's so central. And yet those are the types of words that as you start to dive into it, you go mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. this is not a simple thing. Yeah. In fact, it's anything but like there's a lot of complexity yeah. uh, to this word, to how we apply it to our lives, yeah. to kind of what we started at at the top of the show of like how it makes us feel. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that we can go. So let's maybe start off just with some initial thoughts. Mm -hmm. Where was kind of the first place that you went 
as you were starting to prepare for talking about the word faith, what was the first question that you had or the first thought that came to your mind? Like, Mm. what was your starting place for like how you start to deconstruct this word a little bit? I immediately went backwards, took my first impression of faith and how faith was presented to me. In a lot of contexts, that was in like the altar call perspective of like being a kid in church. And We had a very charismatic, I don't want the word to like make it sound bad, but like performative minister. Mm -hmm. And he would always kind of start the altar call with like, do you know that you know that you know? And it it had the very like emotional swell from the band and (laughs) it was a full thing. And like (laughs) that was every Sunday. That was a refrain that I was familiar with. And that always hit me as this, I don't know. Like, I don't don't know that I know that I know. And I've spent a lot of my early faith trying to know that I know that I know. Mm -hmm. I think that that is an impossible (laughs) task. Like, I think that it makes for a compelling in the moment sort of jab to action, Mm -hmm. maybe like an initiator. Mm -hmm. And my whole entire Christian experience has been trying to like (laughs) figure out where that balance is. Yeah. Well, one Mm -hmm. thing that makes me think of is I've been in those moments where there's like an altar call or something. Thing at a really great time of worship. The pastor's talking about, yeah, do you know that you know? But in that moment, it's less about that I know something and more that I feel something. Right. Yeah. Like, do you feel that you feel that you feel? And that answer and, is always yes. You're like, yeah, like yeah. I feel a lot. And so I want to go make a profession uh, of faith or something, yeah. right? That's just it. When you feel that you feel that you feel, that mm. doesn't last. Mm. Like that goes away. It's you not sustainable. Can, you can't rely on that. Yeah. And yeah. so then when it goes away, your certainty and your knowledge yeah. like, goes knowing. away as well, right? Because the feeling has left. Maybe then you kind of realize, wow, my faith was more of a feeling Mm -hmm. than a knowledge all along, maybe? So then if we use that same word to describe two different experiences, it makes sense that we're confused because we're like, but that was faith, but then it went away and it's not supposed to do that. So wait, what's happening? I'm doing this wrong. That's not the case. Well, and that brings up a really interesting question about faith. What is the nature of it in terms of how you possess it? Is faith something that you have or don't have? Like, is it a binary, like on off switch? When I think about phrases like making a profession of faith, which right. is a phrase that we use a lot in right. Christian circles, yeah. that is kind of an on off decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either I've professed faith, mm-hmm. which is literally saying like, I have faith yeah. or I haven't. Right. So either I have faith or I do not. So then when we start to have doubt right. and we start to go, do I have faith or not? Like now all of a sudden we're trying to like exist in that in between place on the light switch. Right. Have you ever tried to take a light switch and hold it in the middle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and yeah. it kind of like makes a weird buzzing sound and flickers on and off and yes. kind of spazzes out. Like, Don't yes. do that by the way. It's not good for the, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not good for your light it's switch. Not, it's it's not good for our brains. Like, <laughs> it's a really hard place to exist in, right? Like we're kind of wigging out, yeah. kind of spazzing out going like, am I, do I have it or do I not? I don't right. know. Yep. I should. I'm not sure if I and, do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I feel like that's where I went back to, just like you, Isaac, I went back to my teenage years grappling with what is faith and whether I had enough faith as a teenager and as a young adult, because there's this verse without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith (laughs) somehow (laughs) turned into this performance thing that was all about me proving myself to God. Like, Mm. I really hard to have faith. And if I don't, if I doubt a little bit, then it's this binary, like, well, I don't have it. But the rest of the verse, it feels like it's different. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then the next part of the verse says, 
anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Mm. There's nothing there about our performance. Right. It's about trusting that, okay, if I seek him earnestly, he's going to help me. Yeah. Like, he's not going to leave me out to dry. Yeah. Right. That's a really interesting component of faith. What is the source of it? Like, yeah. Where does faith mm-hmm. come from? Yeah. We're told in scripture that faith is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't think that's often how we think of it. Mm-hmm. Like we think of faith as something that we are supposed to manufacture yeah. yep. in response to what God has done for us. Right. Yeah. And so then when we do fail, then mm-hmm. that's on us. Right. We go like, oh my gosh, like I have not living up to what God has asked of me. Yeah. I am a failure. Defective. I, I, right. I'm defective. Yeah. I need to perform more. Yeah. As I thought about that more as I was preparing, I landed kind of with like a foot in both camps almost. This message like you are defective. There's some truth to that. I am defective. Right. Like, right. That's not wrong per right. se. <laughs> and so it's not saying doubt and unbelief or whatever. Those are good things, but it is also a reality. Right. There is also a reality. It's being fixed. It's yes. being redeemed yeah. and not by us. Yeah. Right. You know, like yeah. not through our performative actions of faith. Right. Like yeah. we, we've identified the correct problem. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yes, we are defective. We don't have enough faith where we get off track is not in that part of it, but in our solution. Right. Yes. How do we fix that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I usually go to I got to try. I got to do. I got to do more. Fix it. Like it's all on me. Right. Like I got to try harder. I got to believe more. I got to do more. That's not the prescription. I don't know that that's accurately communicated enough No, because I had the pleasure of going through the way of the master as a teenager. Do you guys go through that at all? I didn't, but it sounds familiar. It's the little tracks that they pass out or it's Mm -hmm. like the pennies that have been pressed with the 10 commandments and stuff. And it was just like this whole series that we did for like three weeks at my youth group that I went to where Kurt Cameron and Ray Comfort, shout out to Kurt and Comfort. <laughs> yeah. um, these guys basically gave you these man on the street segments where they did this intellectual judo to like trick people almost debate team style to like admitting that they believe in God or something. Mm-hmm. And it was presented from the place of this like binary that we we're talking about where Kurt Cameron and Ray Comfort are these guys who 100% have this intellectual faith. It's presented in the good guys, bad guys scenario, right? And they're mm-hmm. talking to these people who don't have faith. The goal is to prove to them God's existence (laughs) and then bring them to the side of faith. Watching this as a kid who's like still struggling with my own concept of faith, I was like, well, where's the middle? Where am Mm, I supposed to? Which side am I on? Because I don't feel like them. I feel more close to these people who have questions. Yeah. That's not good. (laughs) And they're the bad guys. Yeah. They're wrong. It's presented in like, if you're not able to achieve this level of Mm. rescuing these people, you're like a negligent fireman. They use this analogy of like a negligent fireman like, like condemning these people yourselves. Oh my God. Right? Gosh. And it was just wild to me. So, not having the 100% USDA Prime B faith, like just not able to like say, yes, equivocally 100%, I know this. It was just so hard. There was no grace. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that brings up a really interesting point about faith is how do words like certainty mm-hmm. and doubt fit mm-hmm. into faith? Yeah. This is something, honestly, that I've been wrestling with the most. Where do certainty and doubt? Mm. fit in with faith. And there are a lot of really smart people who have very different ideas about how these words do or don't fit Mm -hmm. together. Hmm. One quote that I kept coming across over and over again is from a gal named Anne Lamott. And I don't know if you're familiar with her, Mm -hmm. but she's a theological thinker, very theologically liberal, I think is fair to say. Mm -hmm. And she has a pretty well-known quote where she says that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. 
that certainty is the opposite of faith. I have some thoughts on this quote. I've been like chewing on this and wrestling with this, but I'm curious for your guys' thoughts on that. How does that strike you? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have no idea? That's a fair answer, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I completely agree. I think there are times that your faith does not feel certain, Mm -hmm. but then there's like a certainty that is deeper than feelings, but that's something I think you grow into. I don't think that's something you just arrive at day one. I think Mm -hmm. there's a certainty that comes with time and God's track record of faithfulness in your life. Right. You're like, I'm really not certain about what's going to happen or what he's going to do, but I'm, I'm certain that God loves me and he's here with me. And he's going to get me through it. Yeah. So yeah. kind of this idea that like, like certainty is not a prerequisite for faith. No. Yeah. It's something that eventually flows out of faith. I yeah. think so. Like we become more certain as our faith is grown by yeah. God. Yeah. I'm certain because of my faith. I'm not faithful because of my certainty. Right. Yes. Right. I can look back to the times where God is taking care of me and be certain that that did happen. Yeah. And if that's any indication of how the future is going to go and that reinforces my faith, Certainty being the opposite of faith makes sense because having the certainty implies that like I know the full plan and I don't. None of us do. Right. We don't have any idea what's going to happen the second we leave this studio. Yeah, I think it depends a lot on how you define the word certainty. Right. If you're talking about absolute certainty about everything, Mm -hmm. then of course, like if we had absolute certainty about everything, there's no need for faith because we're God at that point. We know everything. God doesn't need faith in anything outside of himself. Uh, But I don't necessarily think that certainty, at least as it's used in scripture, because like in Hebrews, for example, the writer of Hebrews tells us that faith is an assurance of what we hope for, a certainty of what we do not see. I don't think he means like a certainty in the sense that like we have all the, we're not God. Mm -hmm. Like he's he's clearly not saying that we're God and that we know everything. But I think there is a degree of certainty in what we can know. Mm -hmm. God tells us we can be certain of certain things. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And again, that doesn't necessarily happen at the beginning. It comes with time and it comes as God grows our faith over time. So depending on how we define certainty, I think has a lot to do with how we interpret this quote. Ultimately, I think I agree with part of it. I don't think doubt is the opposite of faith either. Working through our inevitable doubts is part of the reliable road to a true and lasting faith. Like doubting is part of how God grows our faith. He grows our faith in the midst of our doubting and in spite of our doubting and because of our doubting. Agreed. And I look at it like a marriage almost where I don't expect Brie to have the same emotional intensity of her love for me every single day. I don't expect that from her. And I would hope that she doesn't expect that from me like it. Yeah. But we have committed to expressing that love and demonstrating that love for our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. My Mm -hmm. faith is going to go through different strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. and periods of doubt. Like I struggle with doubt every day. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's just something that you have. But the overall commitment is where my faith is. Like, even on the days where I'm not necessarily feeling this in a way that I want to, I'm still placing my faith in who Christ says I am and who Christ is. Right. I think that actually is a really good metaphor. You're right. I don't necessarily have the exact same feelings or intensity of feelings towards my spouse Mm -hmm. every single day or in every single moment. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get mad. That changes Mm -hmm. over time. But there are certain things at this stage in my relationship with my spouse that I am very certain 
of. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I am certain my wife loves me. Right? Exactly. And so even when something happens that introduces potentially like a flicker of doubt, I still have a certainty, a faith underneath assurance, that, an assurance. Yeah. That, mm. that we love each other. And right. that's grown over 10 years. Right. Like yeah. you've become more and more certain the longer you've been married. To exactly. Her. It's not necessarily something that exists the first time that we met. Yeah. There was a lot of things that had to happen that led me mm. to that point. But I think part of why we have a hard time reconciling the coexistence of certainty and of doubt with faith is that we misunderstand this idea that faith has to be described in terms of intellectual certainty. Like when I first think about the word faith, the first thing that comes to my mind is, do I know that I know that I know that these facts are true? Jesus was born in the Middle East a couple thousand years ago, grew up to be 30 years old, that he did miracles, that he died on a Roman cross, that he was raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. Are these verifiable facts? Hmm. that I can have intellectual certainty of. Mm-hmm. If I know these things are true, then I have faith huh. kind right. of thing, as opposed to faith being a personal trust. Yeah. It's not that intellectual certainty has nothing to do with it. Right. Like I do believe that those facts are true. There is evidence that exists in our world that I think points to the fact that my faith is well-founded, mm-hmm. but ultimately my faith is a decision based on personal trust. Right. I trust in God that he is who he says he is. Right. To bring this back to the metaphor you brought up about a spouse, it's the same thing. There are intellectual facts that I know my wife has demonstrated over a period of 15 years that she loves me. And there Mm -hmm. are things that I can point to where uh, that has been reaffirmed. Mm -hmm. Those things exist and are part of the process of building my faith, but the real true core of it is not what she said to me yesterday or what she didn't say to me yesterday, or like Mm -hmm. it's the culmination of all of that has resulted in a personal trust where I believe my wife feels about me Mm -hmm. a certain way. And I believe that right circumstances be damned, right? No marriage or relationship realistically could live up to or be sustained by just defining the terms based on your emotion every passing minute, right? Like, and I think sometimes even the, or even beyond emotion, even the actual facts of what happens. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Our spouse yeah. literally hurts us. You will be done wrong like, by your spouse. Yeah. Like that'll just happen. But the assurance that you have, the overall trust and faith mm-hmm. in them is kind of what sustains their relationship. Once I began looking at my walk in faith that Mm -hmm. same way where all of the insecurity and all of the worry is completely on my end. Like God is not up there like worried. (laughs) Isaac doing down there. It is all me. Uh, Yeah. I am going to mess this up. Yeah. Both beings in this relationship between me and God know that this is going to be a train wreck, Yes. (laughs) but it's a walking relationship and I feel good about it. I can rest in that. Yeah. Yeah. I have been in situations and I'm curious if you guys have felt this at times where it feels like the word faith has kind of been scrubbed of meaning, been made into a pretty generic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my Christian faith, mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about, I have faith without necessarily defining the object of mm-hmm. our faith. Mm-hmm. And I was in a church years ago where a lot of people, I don't know, almost fell back on the word faith as a crutch of like, hmm. I have faith, but yeah. that was like all that was ever said right, about what it. What does that and mean? I was like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I think what they meant by that was like, I have positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You yeah, know, it's very different. Yeah. Like to me, positive thinking is basically faith in ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that we can choose to change our attitudes and foster optimism. And hmm. there is truth to like what you were talking 
talking about earlier in the show, Kara, from like John Acuff, that mm-hmm. we have choices. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. you know, we have choices that we can make about what we think or, or what we don't think about. But ultimately, we don't have the power to to, no. f- to fix mm-hmm. ourselves. Right. Like we were talking right. about earlier. No. And so when we talk about like, you know, I have faith and but we don't define the object of our faith mm. as being Jesus and his ability to redeem us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like our faith has an object, whether right. we define it or not. Right. Yeah. Right. Sometimes we think about kind of going back to, for example, the binary that Isaac was talking about. It's not about I have faith or I don't have faith. It's what do I have faith in? Like yeah. I have faith in Jesus or I have faith in something else. Mm. Yeah. The choice isn't really faith or no faith. Uh, we could have faith in our personal comfort. We could have faith mm. in prosperity. Yep. We could have faith in the goodness of humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the person who says like, I'm skeptical of everything and I believe nothing yeah. and I trust mm. no one. They have faith in their own autonomy. Yeah. To maintain that. Right. Oh, that's interesting. So like we have to have, we all have faith in something. Right? Yes. Yes. It's just about defining what is the object of our faith. And oh. to me like that, therefore is perhaps the most important component yeah. of faith. Right. Is right. Who do you place your faith in? Am I placing more right. faith in myself than mm. I am in Jesus? And right. I originally thought it was kind of goofy adjusting to a more liturgical service is always kind of funny coming from an event background. <laughs> One of the things that I appreciate about our church is that we do the Nicene Creed every Sunday mm-hmm. where you kind of reaffirm the tenets. It's nice to sort of get that refresher of mm. is these are the tenets of my faith. This is what I believe. Like yeah. this is what I am. It's the terms and services that you're <laughs> clicking. I agree on Again. once a week. Like you, what does my faith actually mean? Right. Like, let's, yeah. let's define it. Let's not leave it as just some generic feel good. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I believe everything's going to be okay because I don't know why. Like, right. Yeah. Know, that's too vague. Right. Like because yeah. without Jesus, everything's not going to be okay. It's true. I I think that's a really good point. Just like the marriage analogy we're talking about, the more you get to know your spouse, the more you trust them. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Jesus and spending time. I mean, and this sounds super, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like Jesus juke, but like, it's true. The more you spend time with this object of your faith, the more you're like, okay, he's trustworthy. I can trust him. Yeah. And ultimately I think we can look with hope to Jesus telling his disciples about faith the size of a mustard seed. Yep. Jesus, there are times where he kind of chastises his disciples for their lack of faith. Mm-hmm. And again, like we were talking about earlier, like we are defective. Like we, mm-hmm. we do have a lack of faith. We right. do have a problem. That's why we need That's faith we in need, Jesus yeah. in the first place. It's a right? redemption story. <laughs> exactly. And so that does start with accepting our own brokenness. Right. But that story about Jesus telling his disciples faith the size of a mustard seed mm. can throw a mountain into the sea. He's using rhetorical hyperbole to make the point that little is much when it comes from God. Dude, mm. the bar is so low. And, and <laughs> <laughs> that's so, I'm so sorry. But I'm just really, I like that. That's one way to put it. I like that. <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> But this idea is that like, if our faith comes from God, if that's the source of it, yeah. it doesn't take much of that to be something really huge. Really yeah. powerful. Right. It's not even necessarily that he's asking us to like, muster you just up. need to muster up this little bit of faith and then it'll actually be right. enough for you. He's saying, I'll give you just a little bit and that's going to be way more than enough. So right. Watch this. Right. And yeah. you're going to be amazed mm-hmm. by when I give you even just a little bit of me, what that does for you. Right. right. Uh, I think sometimes we miss this point 
about this story. I have missed this point. It's not just about, okay, if I have faith this big, Mm -hmm. then that's really powerful. (laughs) It's about what the mustard seed grows into. Right. Like the whole story of the mustard seed is that a tiny seed becomes something huge. Right. Mm -hmm. God can give us just a little bit. And then kind of like we were talking about, it's not a binary. It's not an on off switch. When God gives us that little seed at the beginning, we're not done. Not even close to it. We have a lot of growing to do and God's going to grow us over time into something that's really really big and is going to be enough for us. Yeah. I was going back and looking at some notes from my journals from years ago. One of the toughest seasons of my life where I really wrestled with my own faith and mostly what I was wrestling with was this question. Am I trusting enough? Am I believing enough? Basically, Mm. like I was, I was struggling with like some mental and emotional stuff and I kept feeling like, I'm not doing this right Mm. because I'm struggling, right? Mm. (laughs) I'm not doing this right. And I have to muster this up and I can't. And I read this book by Matt Mooney. It's called An Unfinished Life. And it's about his son, Elliot, who lived for like 99 days and then Mm. passed away. And so it's his profound journey of walking through grief and doubt and then back around to faith. And so it's powerful book. But this quote, I had forgotten about this. I think I've shared it on the podcast before. Just sums up everything for me. God was there for me despite me. His love did not wane when my faith weakened. He was sufficient, a truth displayed most brilliantly in the blinding light of my own insufficiency. Hmm. When I cannot pray harder, when I am unable to conjure up more belief within my own bones, he never leaves. His godness and his goodness do not rely or require of me what I cannot do without him. Hmm. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without God, it is impossible to have faith. Tired of people harassing your emotional support dog in public? Why not turn to nature's perfected predatory animal? Our emotional support crocodiles are imprinted on you at an early age, ensuring a relationship that lasts a lifetime. Simply slide on their emotional support vest, attach your iron-forged chain, and head out to explore the world, knowing that your emotional support croc is by your side. By crikey, she's a gnarly little sheila. Begin the adventure today at EmotionalSupportCrocs.com. Okay, that wraps up episode 72 of the Really Real Podcast. To end the podcast, we are going to fill in the blank instead of drawing a blank. So the most helpful reminder I heard about faith today was... I like the mustard seed analogy. Coming back to that, I haven't thought about the mustard seed for a long Mm -hmm. time. It's basically God saying like, I will give you this pin drop of me Mm -hmm. and it's going to do crazy things you can't even imagine. I'm going to give you this much of myself in the form of faith. Mm -hmm. I'm planting it there. Watch what happens. That's so hopeful to me. I think for me, it's this challenge that I've had of reconciling the coexistence of certainty and doubt. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I have this weird mix of certainty and doubt that all exists at the same time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like those seem mm-hmm. like they're opposites. So how can they both yeah. exist in me simultaneously? Yeah. And it's because one of them comes from me and one of them comes from God. Huh, yeah. That's good. The doubt comes from me. Right. And the certainty comes from God wow. and he's working that out. And right. it's a process and huh. it's going to take time to go from completely doubt to completely certain. Right. Yeah. But it's happening and I'm in process. Yeah. The pro- process is huge. When yeah. I think about those two things having different sources, all of a sudden the coexistence of them makes sense. So yeah. good. Mine is close to that in that like my faith and my doubt are both parts of the story. Like you're talking about kind of being worked through. And I think that the trust and the relationship, this is happening with God. I've committed to this. This is the faith that I have mm-hmm. consciously chosen. I just think that's going to be mm-hmm. so good.
All right, Isaac, go make us some potatoes. <laughs> Let's do it. Go. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Really Real Podcast. Get more content or air your grievances in the Real FM Insider Facebook group at real.fm slash insiders. While you're there, remind Kara that she owes me. And yes, Venmo or Cash App would be fine. Tune in next time to hear Anson, Kara, and Isaac say... There's nothing about childbirth no. that inspires me at all. <laughs> it's I gross. Oh, it's gross. <laughs> it's a tiny woman. <laughs> Get out. <laughs>